Your holidays might look a bit different this year to previous ones. Presents, trips, fancy food might all be pared back a bit as the cumulative effect of the cost of living crisis bites. And children might struggle with things being tighter, but it can also be a valuable teaching moment and not terrible either, not unpleasant, not not fun. Let's look at how to talk to kids about finances without stressing them out. I'm joined by Dr Charlotte Keating, who's a clinical psychologist who works with parents and adolescents. Charlotte, welcome. Thanks, Hilary. And Anna Christina, who's a financial educator and author of a book called Kids Ain't Cheap, How to Plan Financially for Parenthood and Your Family's Future. I love the title, Anna. It's so true. (laughs) Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, What does Christmas and the summer holidays cost families on average, Anna? Do we we know? Yeah. So um, the most recent data says that it costs around $1,000 to $1,800, and that's including food, gifts, decorations. And um, it is more expensive because of inflation. So it's gone up by about 11%, which families are really feeling, especially around the holidays, which makes it a little bit harder to juggle around the budget and um, have to prioritize a couple things. Well, yeah, and obviously that's the average. So that's going to vary according to family size and the expectations and the kind of culture that you've grown up in. That's really interesting. So do we know if people um, save ahead of Christmas? Yeah, so families usually save around $1,000 in thinking about this. And it seems as though it's gone up this year because of inflation as well. So parents have... um, and families had had to make kind of some concessions around that stuff, whether they want to have a big get-together with the family or a smaller one, what do they do with gifts? So there's a lot of uh, decisions that have to be made. Yep, we're we're doing lots of joint presents. It's like, so auntie, want to go in with me on something nice for the kids? How can we make it more cost-effective? Are there like uh, low-hanging fruit ways to save money? Yeah, if you're having a a family kind of uh, get-together, you can always ask that someone brings a dish in as well, and that way it kind of shares the um, costs around with everyone. The other thing is also focusing on the moment, getting together instead of the actual gifts. But if you do have to do gifts, you can do a Secret Santa or a Kris Kringle, as they call it, like depending on what term you use. But this way, you can kind of get one gift and everyone gets a gift instead of having to buy gifts for everyone or just gifts for the kids, if that's a situation as well. Yeah. So instead of some pretty sad, shabby, lots of tiny gifts, yes. you get one nice thing per person. Exactly. And what about, I mean, when we think about the the way it looks too, sometimes people are like, well, Christmas has to have the table decorations and the house decorations and the lights and stuff. Are there ways to kind of fill your heart and make it Christmas, but without having the big expensive things? For sure. It comes around tradition and, and what traditions you want to hold. So sometimes it can be about the decorations and the tree, but it can also be as cheap as watching a movie together or having a meal together. It doesn't really need to be about everything else. The magic is really the people who are in it and um, creating time together as a family is really important. Yep. We couldn't afford a tree this year, but we've got this like wooden and string tree shape thing that hangs (laughs) off the wall and so the presents go underneath it and the kids had a ball decorating. It was great. Dr. Charlotte Keating, how honest should we be about the financial pressure of the moment uh, with kids of different ages, I guess? Yeah, look, I think, um, Hilary, it sort of depends on the age of the children. I think when it's with younger children, oftentimes it's sort of helpful just to address things perhaps, you know, in the moment. Um, It depends if they're particularly observant of, you know, say small changes that they're noticing um, with respect to what their parents are are doing to manage, or or maybe they're quite, you know, perhaps insistent. But sometimes it can make it less scary by just referencing the small things that you're choosing to change and sort of acknowledging, you know, we're doing these things to make it, you know, a bit easier while still acknowledging um, how they might feel about it too. So, 
you know, it might be that we can't always do everything we want when we want. Let's pick some things we really want to do and, and we'll save up for the other ones. Um, or more particular examples about things, say, you know, they want to go to the pool every single day this week. Uh, it's more about saying, hey, we can go to the pool once this week. Let's come up with a list of other fun things to do and make it a bit of a game for them to come up with, you know, things that don't necessarily cost anything. Um, you know, we're so lucky in, a, in you know, in this country to be able to do things like museums, cultural experiences the beach, the park. Um, there's just so many things that, you know, that can be done. Uh, and I think, you know, if your kids are a little bit older, say, you know, for example, teens, they've usually got a bit more of an idea about how the world works. Um, you know, they've they've probably had to have some responsibility with spending money and, you know, earning it um, rather than just sort of receiving it when they, when they might get a present or they, you know, might ask. Um, whether it's spending it on lunch, public transport, those sorts of things. So you might set the scene a little bit more with them to, to sort of say, hey, look, we've got less to spend on the fun stuff um, whilst we're being responsible, but let's come up with different ways to be able to do things that you enjoy. I love uh, that idea too, that you're having these conversations with them and getting them getting buy-in basically, getting them to make lists of things that they feel fit the bill. Exactly. Um, is it about, Charlotte, kind of, like you say, referencing what's happening and actually being upfront and saying, we are making these decisions to adapt to a particular situation? Absolutely, Hilary. And I think, you know, it's, it's so that's the, the do's and then there's the how-to's. Uh, and I think, you know, with young people, you know, little kids as well as um, teenagers, it's so much to do with how you convey the situation. So trying to go with the information they're asking for, um, but being somewhat honest and truthful about circumstances in a way that doesn't overwhelm them. I think if you can have that attitude of this is how we're going to, you know, to deal with this and, and this is what we're going to do, this is the plan, they'll take their lead from you because uh, we're trying not to, I guess, um, overwhelm them or make them feel, you know, stressed or, or anxious about the situation. Um Yes, yeah. I found myself the other day saying, ah, why do all these big bills come in just before Christmas? And then thinking, oh, yeah. no, that's probably not a, a good <laughs> idea. But, I mean, ha are there ways like generally to talk about money around the house, Charlotte, that, that helps kids develop a, a healthy relationship with it? Because I was thinking about I, I kind of, uh, when I was growing up, saw the easy come, easy go approach and mm. also the let's hold on to money at all costs approach, and neither of them have really served me well. <laughs> it's not easy, Hillary, and I think it depends on, you know, the interest, the curiosity, the questions that your young people bring, but I think it can be really helpful to go with examples that they understand. And also, I guess in a way it really highlights the value of having a, a longer-term approach to the idea of budgeting and planning and how they spend their money and giving them that opportunity to, to you know, to choose as well. You know, for instance, it might be that, you know, if you had a couple of kids and they both want to go to the movies and that's you know, quite expensive, how could you chat with them about choosing a different night of the week and having a movie night at home with some friends and getting some snacks from Costco or, or whatever that makes it a, a genuinely fun experience but not necessarily, you know, a really expensive one? And I think that sort of teaches them, you know, the value of, okay, what are we prioritising at the moment? Um, it's not just always the same. There are ups and downs with things, but the messaging they receive is this is what we can do differently to, as you said before, to adjust and adapt to, to circumstances and it's still fun, you know? 
Yes, we're getting these lovely texts, the number 0418 And I'd love to hear how you've been adapting and adjusting uh, to the circumstances this year that a lot of us are finding ourselves in. How are you making Christmas special or the holiday season special, whatever you happen to celebrate? Grew up with just my mother, says this text, and looking back, we rarely had any spare money. And yet I always felt that Christmas was a fantastic time. I got one or two things that I really liked, something like an LP or a CD or something like that. Nothing major but it always felt like a good time. I love that feeling. Uh, that that's, that's a really familiar feeling to me that you just really looked forward mm. to Christmas and you weren't getting, you know, uh, amazing, huge flamboyant gifts. It was just a special time. And Joel in Melbourne says, we're trying to use cash from sales of things we no longer use, selling on uh, Marketplace, for example, online, to help pay for Christmas this year. We're speaking with Dr. Charlotte Keating, who's a clinical psychologist who works with parents and adolescents and children, and Anna Christina, who's a financial ed- educator. Her book called Kids Ain't Cheap, How to Plan Financially for Parenthood and Your Family's Future. And and the present issue is kind of a really big one, isn't it? There's so much social pressure and ads and catalogues everywhere. Um, How do you work on teaching kids to shift their priorities around presence, um, especially for kids who have been used to getting more? Yeah, those conversations are really hard to have. But I think Dr. Charlotte actually said it's around values. So talking about values and talking at a young age, you know, I've got a four-year-old and often I get asked, why don't we have a new car? Like the other kids that get picked up at early childhood education. And sometimes we just need to talk about what our priorities are. And we have conversations, listen, we don't have a brand new car, but this, this is what we have instead and this is what we do. And similarly, those conversations can go from age, you know, three, four, all the way up to much older children. And it talk, those values are really important because they do shift. They shift in time. And when it comes to holidays or birthdays, even just talking about what do we value right now? Do we want to spend the money to go to the movies? Or do we want to save that money and maybe do something bigger or better or cheaper so that we can um, exchange what are like talk about our values and choose the things that we really want to do. And that and having kids in those conversations from a really young age is really important so that they can choose as well in terms of what they value. Yeah, there's that sense of agency, but also of like, I have something good that I can hold on to about this decision that it's, is bigger than us. Though, I mean, delayed gratification doesn't work so well with small kids. How do we get around that idea? Yeah, that, I mean, that's always a hard one. We all heard of the marshmallow experiment where... I failed that. Yeah, yeah. But, but it does show that kids, even from a young age, do understand a bit of delayed gratification. So just getting them involved, having those money conversations, even with your four-year-old, but with older kids, even talking about budgets, taking them to the store with you, talking about why this costs more than that co- than the, this item, even though there's less in, in that. Um, talk, taking them into real world situations is going to get them more aware of, of how money is, is being transacted, but also empowers them to make those decisions for themselves as they grow up so that they can see why we have to compromise or talk about our values. And compromise is a tricky thing at Christmas. But yeah, like, like you, you and Charlotte are both saying, if you start young with uh, age-appropriate concepts, it can work better. Um, secondhand gifts, uh, a lot of people are doing that this year. But I imagine there's there's good ways to do it and kind of shabbier ways to do it. Let's talk about that a bit. Yeah, secondhand gifts. I mean, the, the big one, again, it comes down to value. Um, and I, I loved how you had a, a, a text coming in about selling selling items to, to pay for 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 presents. And that's another way that you can talk about. We can spend the money to buy a brand new gift and that's all you get. 
Or we can get a secondhand one and we might have some money left over because we saved money. So we're actually getting more value from that. And um, and kids get that from a young age, even when you're talking about candy, you can get more or less or this or that. And with older kids, that's another thing as well. Um, so there, there are ways that you can kind of go about it, talk about what the secondhand is, how you're getting value out of it and how potentially you're saving money from that. And there's also that planning thing, isn't it? Some mm-hmm. people are like, you know, March, I'm, I'm looking on, online, I'm looking at the, you know, the sites that I usually go to for secondhand things or op shops and I'm earmarking things for next Christmas. I respect that hugely. I cannot do that. But you can put a timer on um, or not a timer in a notification. So the item that you're looking for, if you're looking on Marketplace, it'll notify you when it gets posted. That's something that I've done with baby products. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're expensive, high on demand, some of those brand names. Yeah. This is why the book is called Kids Ain't Cheap. <laughs> Anna Christina has put in a fair bit of research. Uh, what about Christmas traditions, Anna? Because I guess, you know, we talked before about the Christmas not looking the way you used to. Are there ways to create new traditions without it being a bit like, oh, sorry, kids, we can't do what we used to? Yeah, I think getting your kids involved, talking to them about like, what what do we want to do together and making it special for them? Because really, it is about how you do things together. Sometimes it's really cheap to build a gingerbread house. You know, it yes, the, the materials cost money, but you're doing something together. And those traditions are sometimes much more valuable than spending money on on decorations that get put up. And yes, they are magical. But again, it's about the compromise and getting them kind of involved in that. And also, as a parent, you can choose what traditions you want to do. You don't have to do elf on a shelf if that's not your thing. Or, you know, Santa, like one of the parents that I've had reach out to me said that what they do is they talk about how Santa only makes things in their workshop. So you will not be getting any technology from Santa. That is not a thing. Because, And I just love these ideas where, where families are just thinking about different innovative ways that they can have that conversation. Whereas other families talk about if they're going to get a slightly bigger gift, that's coming from the parents because we're the ones that work hard. We're the ones that had to bring in the money. Um, and Santa is secondary so that it also does take away from those awkward conversations that kids have about, well, well, why did Santa get you something big and not me, right? Yeah. Well, Dr. Charlotte Keating, how do you handle those conversations in the playground when someone does turn up with a new smartphone and said, I got this from Santa? Those, I think those it's pretty difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty difficult. And I liked, um, you know, I really liked what Anna was describing in terms of, you know, the value and the hard work and the effort that goes into, um, you know, perhaps a a special or a chosen present um, coming from perhaps parents, you know, rather than Santa in those instances. Um, You know, generation upon generation, I think we, you know, come upon um, this challenge and, you know, it's different for different families with how they choose to deal with it and how they, you know, also feel about, you know, Father Christmas, um, just like the Easter Bunny and, and, you know, those sorts of um, rituals and traditions. But I think, you know, coming back to to what the family values and also messaging about, you know, comparing to others in those moments, it's a, it's a good opportunity to just say, hey, look, you know, sometimes different people get different things for different reasons. Um, you know, this is what we're grateful for and we're lucky to have um, in our family and, and what you get and, and focusing, you know, back to what, you know, is important and maybe it's less of the material things Um you know, some years rather than others. Well, could you use it as a way to talk about disadvantage in our society too and, you know, work out the the kids' place in that and, and the family's values around that? 
Absolutely. And I think, Hilary, another really important thing to touch on, and it might not just be around Christmas, obviously, but in that whole context of um, learning about money and budgeting and planning and other people's experiences is the opportunity to give and be giving uh, and to, you know, choose perhaps different charities or or meaningful um, ways in which they can try and make a difference. And that feels very good as well. Um, absolutely. Anna, do you have thoughts about that? Just that kind of, uh, I don't know, the economics, basically. I guess we're talking about that, but for kids. Yeah, it's always important to talk about inequality and equity and how that all works. And um, often, even just bringing kids to to be involved in a way where they're doing meaningful stuff. So whether you're getting them to volunteer or donate things, there's a physical thing that you're doing. You're physically going there. You're physically giving. And that does something different to the brain than actually being like, hey, we're donating money that you won't see to a, a charity. And so for kids to create empathy and understanding, that's also going to give them a different relationship when it comes to money, different relationship with their peers, and an open dialogue to actually talk about the inequality that is happening, why potentially someone has more than us, or why do we have more than someone else? And those are conversations worth having at any age. Yeah, they're, they're tricky ones sometimes, aren't they? Because they can force you to look at your own place in things and your your feelings of responsibility about it. But yeah, really useful for kids. And this text says, kids are so aware of the environment and other things happening in the world. They get it. Work with that. So yes, on the back of what you said, Anna Christina. And Margaret says, I once suggested buying experiences, not stuff, for children for Christmas. The woman looked as if I'd suggested selling them. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And love it, says another text. Parents earn the money and should take the credit where it's due. It's like, how rarely does that happen, though, anonymous texter? I absolutely never lied to my children about Santa. Every gift always came from the person who brought it. I really don't understand how everybody has this moral justification or obligation to lie to their children about Christmas and Santa Claus. It's interesting, isn't it? Different families approach that in really different ways. And for some people, that's a Christmas tradition that's hard to shake and it's integral to their enjoyment of Christmas. We're speaking with Anna Christina, who's a financial educator, and Dr. Charlotte Keating, who's a clinical psychologist, about the ways that you can talk to kids about money, especially around Christmas, and especially this Christmas, if it is a little bit tighter than it has been in the past. Uh, Anna, what are some general ways that we can um, use times like this in particular, I guess, to talk to kids about finances and budgeting on a family level? Yeah, bring them along for the ride. So if you're planning um, a holiday a meal for the family, take them along, t- talk about the differences that you see. Maybe even if they're older, give them a budget and be like, this is how much we have to spend. Can you help me find the food or the inf- or the decorations that we need within that budget? So getting them thinking about that are really important skills. Also, I guess long-term things that you can do if your kids are older is empower them to p- potentially find the best deal. So if you want to save money, for example, on anything from energy or internet, Empower them to be like, hey, go shop around, look around and see if we can get um, some savings for the house. And if you want, you can even reward them with those savings, depending on on financially how you're how it works in your family. So these these little things of getting them involved, um, thinking about financial literacy in a way that is actually practical is going to help empower them and also teach them without it being awkward. You know, it's not a book. It's not math. You're not sitting down to do um, a workbook. You're actually doing something that is going to benefit our family. Well, it sounds too like that you're teaching them effectively how to not be at the mercy of money. Mm -hmm. Like you have choices. Yeah, exactly. And and there are choices even with the holidays, right? Like another thing that I just thought of, um, as someone was saying, was uh, you, you can also 
provide gifts or ideas that keep on giving, you know, like books that you can keep reading or or board games. Yes, that's an upfront cost, but even if you get it secondhand, it's a it's a gift that keeps on giving. And that's another way to save money, to talk about that and be like, hey, we got this. We play it every Thursday night. It's a thing that we do together. It's a tradition we've built. And it's more about the experience than it is about the the transaction of an item. Well, when we think about those conversations about money, when we have them just generally around the house, should we be kind of having the serious tone, money is important, or or should we be like, oh, money, it's, you know, it's not everything? Is there a tone that's best? A neutral tone is is usually best. And just talking about the pros and cons of things. I think if we all have a money story, right, we all have something that we remember from our childhood, whether our parents were frivolous or whether they were, you know, looked after every single penny, that continues on to us as well. And we then continue on, to, if we have kids, to, to the rest of our family. So having a neutral tone, talking about it in a matter-of-fact way, and trying to um, talk it through with them and just explain it is is probably the best way. I think dinner table conversations are usually the easiest. You know, everyone's relaxed, you're eating, you're talking about your day, and just talking about um, money in a matter-of-fact way is probably the easiest. Yeah. When you talked about experiences that stick with you from your childhood, I remember the year that mum and dad gave us a hundred bucks each, and this was in the, like the mid-80s. Wow. We were like, oh my God. But that was to get all our clothes for the year. We were like, this will be fine. I was like, oh my God, I can get a t-shirt and a pair of shorts and some undies. This is appalling. But it was such a Lesson. good learning experience. Yeah. yeah, it stuck with me forever. Charlotte, just to finish up with, when, when we were talking before about uh, advantage and disadvantage and I guess a privilege in a way, how are some ways that you would approach those conversations? Because I guess you you might be wanting your children not to feel resentful about people who are better off or not to patronise those who are worse off or, or to, to kind of set the family's values around those conversations. Do you have tips for having those chats? Yeah, I think start, you know, start pretty early and and talk about it relatively often. I think, you know, whether your family is in a position where it might be a bit difficult this Christmas or it's not, um, you know, your kids' friends will be in, you know, potentially... um, you know, potentially having both sorts of experiences. So I think it can be helpful to really encourage sort of empathy and understanding. Uh, I think sometimes too, young people can get quite sort of upset or disappointed if they're not able to do perhaps what some of their friends can do or, or have necessarily some of the things their friends have. And that comes from often a desire to also fit in and be accepted. And, and, and it can feel like, you know, there might be something wrong for them if it's not the case. So I think it is really important to create the space to talk through these things, to validate um, what the emotional experience might be, but also to acknowledge the reality of things in a, you know, a fairly sort of calm, frank way, which is, you know, there will always be people with more and less. Let's understand more about that to bring perspective um, to our position, what we're grateful for, um, as well as the, you know, the value of hard work too. Mm. Talk early, talk often, talk neutrally. Really interesting ways to approach this. Dr. Charlotte Keating and Anna Christina, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Charlotte Keating is a clinical psychologist who works with parents and adolescents and children. And Anna Christina is a financial educator. Her book's called Kids Ain't Cheap, How to Plan Financially for Parenthood and Your Family's Future. And this last text, I taught my children there would always be people who have more and people who have less, whether that's gifts, life experiences, really the whole of life. It's good to understand that, isn't it, from a young age? Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.